Let's open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, the second chapter. We finished the first chapter in our first lesson, and we'll go as far as we can. We may end up with uh, this chapter or half of the other one or maybe part of this one. I don't know. We'll just take it like we used to, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. So chapter 2 of Proverbs. I might give you just a short division of this uh, book, of this chapter rather, in the book of Proverbs. And the first five verses, you might say wisdom is one. It's hard to win. Wisdom is hard to win. And then verses 6 through 9, wisdom is God-given. And the third section, uh, verses 10 through 22, wisdom is is a moral safeguard. So it's hard won. It is God-given. It's a moral safeguard. Verses 1 through 5, the first section. Verses 6 through 9, the second section. Verses 10 through 22, the third section. If you want those after the service, if you didn't get them, well, just let me know. So we begin with verse 1 of chapter 2 of Proverbs. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after uh, knowledge and liftest up uh, thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now notice all the things that are important in finally understanding the fear of the Lord and finding the knowledge of God. Verse 5 kind of caps it all. But notice the instructions that we get beginning with, with verse 1. My son. It's as if the teacher is speaking to his uh, student. And of course, it could be father speaking to son. My son, if thou wilt receive my words. In other words, not just hear them, but receive them. A lot of people have heard words that they do not receive. And we have to receive God's word into our hearts. And hide my commandments with thee. Treasure, treasure up God's word in your heart. You know, the psalmist said in another place, in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Sometimes when we read the word, when we hear the word, we hear it with our ears. We comprehend it with our minds to, the, to a certain extent. But do we really receive it into our heart? This is, a, this is the test that we all need to make. This is the encouragement that we all need to give ourselves and say and question ourselves. Where is this word? Is it just in my thoughts or is it just in my mind? Or do I really believe it and want to do it and obey it? Have I received it into my heart? It says a safeguard. Safeguard in your hearts. In verse 2 it says, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. In other words, not just uh, know of wisdom, not just hear of wisdom, but incline thine ear unto wisdom. Hear it and hear it inside and listen to it. Incline thine ear. Notice the word ear. How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it says, And apply thine heart to understanding. Notice the word heart is mentioned here. Apply thine heart to understanding. Look at that word understanding. Look in verse 3. Voice of understanding. Look in verse 5. Then shalt thou understand. Look in verse 6. Knowledge and understanding. Look in verse uh, 9. Then shalt thou understand. Understanding. Six times from verses 2 through 11. Verse 11 says understanding shall keep thee. So six times you find the word understanding. Unless I've miscounted, there possibly could be seven, but at least six. Now then, apply thine heart to understanding. We don't 
understand anything unless we apply ourselves to it. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. So crying would be praying for it. Did not James say, if any man among you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not? It says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Who was it that prayed for wisdom anyway? Solomon, the writer. The one, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. So who is it that cried for wisdom? Solomon did. He could have asked for riches and for all that God finally did give him in his kingdom. But God said, since you've asked for just wisdom and understanding, I'm also going to give you riches and and prosper your kingdom. So the first thing you need to do is seek uh, to have understanding. And look, it says in verse... uh, For if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. How do men seek money? How do men try to go in the caves and mines to find the gold and the silver and the treasures? He says to the same extent that we would seek earthly treasures, we should seek wisdom. I'm afraid we don't put that much effort for it, do we? saw a little thing on the television the other day. It was showing in Riodosa how they were out here screening for gold, you know and panning for gold. And it showed one fella, he had five or six little specks of gold in there. I don't know how much they spend, $100 to go get about a dollar and a quarter's worth maybe, if you're lucky. But anyway, they have a lot of fun, so there's nothing wrong with that. But on they searching. But they used to search and mine for gold and silver. And it says, if thou seekest her, what? If thou seekest wisdom, as you do seek silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, as they do in the caves and in the mines. And it says, if you do this, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. When is it? After you've received the word, after you've hid the commandments with you, after you've inclined your ear unto wisdom, after you've applied your heart to understanding, after you've prayed for it and cried for it, and lifted up your voice for understanding, and if you uh, seek it as silver and search for her as hid treasures, then, verse 5, shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. You see, a lot of folks want a quick fix on finding anything from God's Word. But you don't find it that way. You have to search for it and, and dig for it and study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Some things that seem very simple on the surface, when you study them out and dig them out, you'll find that they're not as simple after all. And uh, God's Word is like that. It has to be studied throughout and then applied. Apply thine heart to understanding when you understand it. Verse 5, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find, you're going to find it, you shall find. It says, Seek and you shall find. Find the knowledge of God. There are two things about understanding you find in the book of Ephesians. One, let me read in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes, well, does my understanding have eyes? It's talking about the inward ability to understand the things of God by the Holy Spirit's enlightenment. The eyes of your understanding. We have eyes in our head. We see out here on the, we see each other. We see what's before us. We can see physically, but it's the eyes of your understanding. And if you're going to have understanding, you have to have it from, from God's uh, opening of your hearts and your eyes to understand on the inside. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And then in chapter 5, 
Let me read this verse for you. Chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So if, if you understand, then you're wise. Be ye not unwise, but notice the contrary. But understanding. Well, understanding makes you wise then, doesn't it? Be ye not unwise, as if you had no understanding, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You read that in Ephesians 5, verse 17. All right, let's go back to our text now. In verse uh, uh, 5, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. The, by the way, in the first chapter, it said in verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is, the way, is where we begin. The fear of the Lord is have reverence for God. Have uh, reverence for God's Word. And then it's the beginning of, under, of knowledge. And then right here it says, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Look at verse 6. We said this second section is wisdom is God-given. Look at verse 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom. It says the Lord gave Solomon wisdom after he prayed. The, The Lord gives wisdom after we receive his words, after we do all of these things that are mentioned. He gives. He tells us what to do that is hard won. You don't get it very easy. You know, going out here and digging in a mine or in a cave as for hid treasures, that would entail a great deal of sweat and labor and work, wouldn't it? You'd have to really dig. You'd dig out a whole great deal of ore before you'd find just a little bit of the treasure. Well, God's Word is that way. You have to do the, the preparation work. And then, he says, He will give you. The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So where does the knowledge and understanding come from? Out of his mouth? What comes out of your mouth? The words, isn't it? So out of the word of God, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. What is essential? Sound wisdom. And, and this is what we need. And he lays it up. And then it says, he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. That means that he's our shield and he, he's our protector. The Bible tells us not to fear what man shall do. The Bible tells us... In Isaiah, let me read a verse of Scripture in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 54, I believe it is. In verse 17, you think God takes care of us? It says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. You say, well, how is that? It says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Have you ever had, uh, through different individuals, the devil working trying to defeat you and defeat your uh, faith and defeat your cause and defeat your purpose and defeat your life and to bring you down? Those evil forces are at work. But God's Word says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Aren't you thankful that God has a protecting power uh, for you? So it says in our text, He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them uh, that walk uprightly. As He's the shield and protector. Verse 8 says, He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of His saints. Who are saints anyway? God's children. Some people say, well, yeah, He preserves the way of His saints and there's only a very few chosen ones. But that's not what God's Word means about saints. All of God's children who have faith in Jesus Christ, are saints of God in God's sight. In the book of, uh, reading 1 Corinthians, let's see if we can find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
Let me read it for you. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and so stood these our brother. Under the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, listen, called to be saints. In fact, the word to be is in italics, which means they're sanctified in Christ Jesus and they're called saints. With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. With all saints everywhere. Now, you know what it means when it shows you the words uh, to be there are in italics. That means they were not in the original. Let me explain that now. It was added by the translators and honestly put in in italicized letters and words so that you would know it was not in the original. But then on the other hand, in this instance, if you used it called to be saints, that's as if you were going to be saints at some time or could be if you met the certain requirements. But it doesn't say called to be saints as if you have something yet to achieve before you're saints. So it says, call saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So all that have called upon the Lord for salvation, all that are children of God, are saints of God. So back in our text, notice what it says. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. The paths of judgment. Remember Psalm 23? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. He leadeth me beside still waters. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And also, he preserveth the way of his saints. The word preserveth means he keeps them. He preserves his saints. Let me read a verse of scripture in Psalm 37, verse uh, 28. It says, For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. That means that his children are kept, preserved by his power. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Look at verse uh, 9 in our text. It says, Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. So we need to, to be taught of God in order to understand these things, righteousness, judgment, and equity, and every good path. And in verse 10, we begin the third section. It shows that wisdom is a moral safeguard, a moral safeguard. And it deals with all kinds of wicked things that we have to overcome. And we do that by having the wisdom of God. The first section showed that wisdom is hard won. It's hard to get. And then wisdom is God-given, verses 6 through 9. Now, wisdom is a moral safeguard. And as we take it verse by verse, you'll see many things. First of all, it says, When wisdom entereth, verse 10, into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Knowledge is what? Pleasant? Knowledge is a joy. Do you do you have a great joy in learning? Is it pleasant to your soul to receive knowledge from God? Knowledge does bring joy. The Word of God brings joy. And when wisdom enters your heart, knowledge is pleasant to thy soul. It says discretion shall preserve thee. In other words, God's counsel shall preserve you. Uh, de- Seeing the things of God, understanding the things of God, receiving the counsel of God shall preserve thee, and understanding shall keep thee. Then it says in verse 12, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, the devious man, from the man that speaketh froward things, to turn and to change the course of things, froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. That's a sad thing for a man to leave the paths of uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness. When you can walk in the light and you choose rather to walk in darkness, that's, that's rather foolish, isn't it? And he's speaking of these devious people who, who rejoice to do evil 
and delight in frowardness, that's devishness, of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they froward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, the prostitute. And God will deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, not only family and not only spiritual guides, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, forgets her husband, forgets her uh, marriage vows. Look at that again. Which forsaketh the guide of her youth. She not only has an outward guide as fathers and mothers, she has a spiritual guides. Word that have come to her, witnesses come to her, the word of God has come, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, not only the covenant of God in departing from God to the idols as Israel did of old, but the covenant of God as it might relate to her marriage vows, whether she was that kind of woman or not, we do not know. But it says, For her house inclineth unto death. Every step taken toward her house is a step towards death, and her paths unto the dead. And it says, none that go unto her return again. Few instances of a return to the path of life. None that go unto her return again. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. There are certain fallen women that have fallen into these circumstances because of poverty or because of necessity or because of, of just falling away. But there are others that have deliberately gone into that kind of a situation that never returned. Some of those others are rescued. You take a young lady that's run away from home and gotten with the wrong crowd sometimes and out on the street. Maybe she can be rescued. But a person that deliberately goes in that direction and does it because they want to, very few return. And then it says, That thou mayest walk in the way of good man, good men, and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, they'll be established, and the perfect shall remain in it. To be established in this life, you follow God, and the establishment will quicker come. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. They'll be plucked out of it. In this third chapter, we find rooted in sound teaching is taught here. Being grounded and rooted in sound teaching, the teaching of God's Word. In verse 1, it says, My son, forget not my law. Remember what you've heard. You know, a lot of people have heard enough truth and enough gospel to save a lost world. A lot of people have heard enough truth to establish them in the faith, but they forget it. They go away and forget what they've been taught. You see, you better bury it in your heart. That's why the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. In other words, you better receive the word and receive it uh, very deeply rooted within with deep conviction so that when... Uh, trouble comes along, trials come along, you'll still have it to, to back you up. And you'll, you'll be rooted in sound teaching. That's why we find so many people tossed from one church to another nowadays, tossed from one denomination to another, tossed from even established churches that are, and I'm talking about some churches that may be of a different denomination that are still established in the, the main things about salvation, like being saved by grace through faith. There are others that believe that. There are some churches that believe that. And they, they may even be taken from those churches into a cult if they're not sound in the faith. Whatever the church may be or the nature or denomination of it. So it says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Where do we serve God? From where? Inside our heart. We do it because inside 
we feel that that is what God wants us to do. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, I don't know what to do. What do you feel like deep down inside that you ought to do? What does your very inmost being tell you to do? Now, we know that you're, you're, if you're guided by God's Word and led of the Holy Spirit, it will not tell you to do something. Your inmost feelings will not tell you to do something contrary to God's Word and contrary to the leading of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're not going to be guided just by an emotional uh, spurt or something that comes across your mind. You're going to have some conviction about what you do. And then on the other hand, you're going to do it from what? From within. From within your heart. It says, The blessings now that are promised for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. This is generally true. It says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. What do we need is constant companions. Mercy and truth. These should not forsake thee. These should be close to us at all times. Remember, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall what obtain mercy. Someone says, I wish people would be good to me or merciful to me. Well, then how are you to others? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And truth. Let mercy and let not mercy and truth forsake thee. In other words, you want them as constant companions. Bind them about thy neck. Hold them very dear and close to you. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Write down mercy and truth. Write it down on the table of your heart. And in verse 4, So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Acceptability. You'll be acceptable. And then in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. You see, we do not have that full trust many times. Do we? we say, well, I trust the Lord. But it says here, completely and totally, with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Do not prop yourself up, but depend upon God. Lean not, it's like you're leaning on your own understanding. We sometimes try to prop ourselves up instead of letting God hold us up. Right? You've heard this old saying, he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. That's a pretty hard task if you want to know the truth about it. We say it, but it's, we don't do anything without God's help, even that. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't put forth some effort to do the best we can. But we don't, it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Then it says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways, not in a few of them. And he shall direct thy paths. Remember we preached one time on order my steps in thy word. In other words, that's directing our paths. In. Order my steps in thy word. We live our life by steps. We don't take it one giant step like I said on the moon, you know. We take it by steps at a time. I hope we can finish our course with joy. I hope we can take the last steps as we're taking the present. That is, if we're taking the right way. It's good to finish right, isn't it? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That text we gave you a minute ago, order my steps in thy word, and then the last part of it says, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So, you not only ask God to order your steps, but you also ask Him to keep you from certain things. See, it's not only what we're to do, but what we're not to do. It has a positive side and a negative side. Remember we taught you one time, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation in the book of Titus hath appeared unto all men. Now what does it do? Teaching us, now here's the negative, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. That's the negative side. To live soberly, and righteously and godly. That's the positive side in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, waiting for the coming Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us 
from all iniquity and purifying themselves a peculiar people zealous of good works. And it goes on to say, wherefore comfort one another with these words. So the grace that saves teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. It teaches us to live soberly and righteously and godly. Those three things are inwardly and outwardly and upwardly. Soberly is how we live from the inside. Righteously is how we live outwardly. And godly is how we live upwardly. And so we're to deny some things and then we're to live a certain way. And then it says here in verse uh, 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Well, that's a warning to all of us, isn't it? To think more of ourselves than we than we should. And all men, men have a tendency to be a little too proud. We shouldn't do that. And it's only God's word and God's instructions that will keep us in, in check. Be not wise in thine own eyes. If I could say anything to myself, to other preachers, to every layman, it would be to get this lesson. To realize in spite of all we try to do and all we try, uh, think that we know, that we still know very little. And the longer I live, the more I study God's word, the more I realize how little a bit of it I know. I mean, just touch the hem of his garment. It says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Good instructions here. Make your paths straight. Follow God. Depart from evil. Then verse 8 says, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. That's medicine. It's uh, watering to your bones. Medicine to your navel. Health to thy navel. And watering or moistening to your bones, marrow, to your very existence. What does the navel represent? The connection in the womb between the umbilical cord that connects the mother to the child. And that's the only way that that baby is nourished until it's born. That's the only way the blood flows to it. That's the only way it's kept alive. That's the living connection. In other words, if God's Word is the living link in God's wisdom and God's uh, the things of God are to be health to our navel. navel that means the supply uh, that we need comes directly from God. You see, we're just as uh, delicately connected, delicately connected to God spiritually as a mother and a baby, that baby in the womb. So if we really realize what this verse is saying, we must realize that it's God that gives us our very life's existence in a spiritual way and marrow to thy bones that the supply which will give strength to the bones the strength that we have the marrow is the strength to supply that which will give strength to the bones and God gives us the strength in verse 9 it says honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase there's a there's a text for us, isn't it? With what God gives us, with the first fruits of all thine increase, and then it says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, the blessings come as a result of, of our honoring God with our substance and with our first fruits. Verse 11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. We should reject not. Correction. We should not reject discipline or instruction. Three things that we should not reject. Correction and discipline and instruction. And do not shrink from it. Be, be not weary. Neither weary of his correction. Verse 12. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as the Father, the Son, in whom he delighteth. This is also recorded in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. It says, If you be without chastisement, you are not sons, you are bastards. It says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, 
but grievous. But listen, but afterward, after the chastening, after the correction, but grievous, and afterward it yieldeth that peaceable fruit of righteousness to them who are exercised thereby. If we let God's correcting uh, correct us as it should, then it will yield that peaceable fruit of righteousness. But if we do not let it uh, exercise us, it says in Hebrews 12, unto them that are exercised thereby, if we do not let it, then we rebel again. And the correction didn't do us any good. Let's take a couple of children. One, when the father or mother spanks them and corrects them, say, now, son, daughter, don't do this anymore. You know it's wrong. And they'll cry a little bit and they'll say, Daddy, I'll, I'll not do that again. And they go away and they're really sorry they got in that trouble. And then another one, when you correct that child, just, he, he may even say he's not going to do it again, but just as quick as your back turned, he's gone out there again. Well, he was not exercised thereby. He rebelled against that correction. That's what happens. But afterward, it yieldeth that peaceable fruit of righteousness unto what? Them who are exercised thereby. Now, if God corrects us and we repent of our sins and say, Lord, I know I was wrong and I want to live right, rededicate our life and try to do right, then that peaceable fruit of righteousness. But if we are chastened and then we go and rebel again and go on our merry way, well, then uh, it will not bring that... That result to you and I. And God has a way of correcting us, doesn't He? In verse 13 it says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. What does this produce? It produces happiness. It says, For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. In other words, the traffic, the trade, as it's carried on of wisdom, is better than trading with silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. In other words, if you're trafficking in wisdom and getting understanding is better than if you're trading with silver and gold to, to get gain. She is more precious than rubies and all things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. When you traffic in the wisdom of God and the things of God, the understanding of God, notice verse 13 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. All things that thou canst desire are not to be compared. Verse 15. Verse 16, what does it bring? Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. A wicked man shortens his days by his excesses, by his excesses. And a righteous man lengthens his days by temperance. Paul said, be temperate in all things. Now then, you say, well, preacher, I've known some good people that have died at a very young age. Well, that's true, too. Don't nail it down and say, well, every person, that there's no exception to the rule. But generally speaking, generally speaking, a wicked man shortens his days by his excesses. He can bring about a shorter life by his excesses. You take drugs or alcohol, a man can drink himself to death. You and I can look back at a, I know a young man that surrendered to preach in this church when we were in the old building. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And I'm not going to call his name. Not embarrassing, but he's a very sweet young man. And he drank. He couldn't get over his drinking habit. And he was about 38 years old. And he, his heart just exploded because of alcoholism. And it was that that shortened his days, actually. That's what shortened his days. And you say, well, preacher, it could have happened in an accident. Sure, it could have. But that would have been a different story. But we're talking about when a person by his own excesses, causes his demise. Anything can happen to any one of us at any time. And our life is in the very hands of God. But let's not just try to 
to conclude it with our own willful uh, excesses of life. And it does not mean that good people do not suffer. It doesn't mean that good people are not taken out uh, soon in this life. Many times it happens that way. And these are all things that we ask why and we wonder why. Let me give you a scripture that might help you on that. Look, in, and we'll get, we're about ready to close and we'll pick up where we left off. But in uh, Isaiah chapter 58, I believe it is. Let's see if it is. 57 or 8. I'll get it for you. 57. Isaiah 57, verse 1. Look at this. It says, The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart. It says, And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. You get that verse? We sometimes wonder why righteous men and good men and merciful men are taken away early in life. But when they're taken away from their own... When men are... When wicked men are taken away by their own excesses, or even a Christian causes his own problems, then it's our fault, isn't it, that we do those things when we do those things. But it doesn't mean that the rule holds uh, firm to every situation of life, because we know that it does not. So it says here in verse 16, Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. I want to pick up with verse 18 in our next lesson. And we'll conclude with the thought that a a wicked man shortens his days by excesses and a righteous man lengthens his days by temperance. And so Paul told, uh, teaches us that we need to be temperate in all things. And temperance will help us to preserve our lives physically, mentally, and spiritually. So thank you very much for your patience.